Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I was, I was airlifted to a, a nearby hospital. When I got in the helicopter, like when they picked me up, they radioed ahead to the hospital. They were like, hey, we're bringing this kid in, but we're just going to let you know that he's probably not going to be alive when we get there. That's Carson Mall talking about moments after his suicide attempt that he survived. What led to it? Could it have been prevented? And what's it like to survive a suicide attempt? Carson's story is one you don't want to miss. Welcome to Rigs Off the Radio. It's Mental Health Monday. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcast and information on the internet is useful, but not always the substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Thanks for checking it out. Enjoy the podcast. What's up? Welcome to Riggs Off the Radio. I'm Riggs. This was a Facebook Live that I did with Carson, so if you'd like to watch, you can do that at my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Riggs Radio. I should mention before we get into this podcast that there will be discussion of suicide, including discussion of Carson's suicide attempt. And before we get into it, you should know the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's one 800 273 8255 or you can text the word hello to 741741 that is the crisis text line carson mall my guest this week for rigs off the radio on mental health monday how are you Uh, i'm great how are you fantastic now you go to college correct because you're in a dorm room i noticed that we both look like we're in basements yeah yeah so where do you go to school at um i'm currently a freshman at the university of wisconsin oshkosh awesome now um how old are you now by the way uh, 18, almost 19. Okay. So, yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of like how you got to where you are today. And yeah. uh, just for people that may not know you, just a little like, I guess, a bio about who you are. Yeah. So as you said earlier, I mean, obviously my name is Carson Law. Um, I'm a suicide sur- survivor and I that's the main reason that I'm here to talk today. So that's a pretty big part of who I am today. 
um, like you said, like I said, I was, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I actually attempted suicide when I was 14. So it's been over four years now, almost five. Um, just a little bit about me. Um, I'm studying computer science at Oshkosh. I, I'm, I'm a tech guy. I'm a tech nerd. Um, I like to work out. Uh, I like football, you know, basically all sports. And I'm a big, you know, DC Comics fan. I like Batman, Superman, The Flash, all of that. So that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. So you're 14 years old when, when you made your attempt on your life. Yeah. Um, what was going on before that? Like, did you have some issues before that that you kind of knew about? Did, did, were you vocal with that with your parents at all? Or did you kind of internalize things leading up to everything? Yeah, I definitely internalized things a lot. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot that I really didn't show any signs of mental illness before I attempted suicide. I mean, first of all, I had very little education about mental health. Like, I was not educated on you know depression or anxiety or any of that like I, I didn't know much about it at all and looking back at it i was absolutely suffering from some of those things but i just didn't have the resources or the education to know that i was suffering from it let alone tell someone that i was suffering from it so most of the things that i was dealing with were related to like pressure and trying to live up to an image of perfection that you know, it's unattainable for, for anyone, really, uh, especially a 14-year-old. And, you know, a lot of people ha want to be perfect. They want to live up to these expectations, and they want to be good for their friends. They want to be good for their family. They want to be good at sports and that kind of thing. And when you have these expectations on yourself, obviously, you're not going to be able to live up to all of them. Right. And, and that was the case w with me. And because of that, I had, you know, residual effects like being depressed or being anxious you know, being, being upset that I couldn't do this or being anxious about what I was going to have to have to try and do. And like I said, I didn't know what that was at the time. So I wasn't able to, you know, thoughtfully communicate it to people who could have helped me. Did you, do you think that going up to the moment when you made your attempt, do you, were there other things that you were doing to kind of get attention to kind of maybe show some warning signs a little bit in your mind, do you think? No, for me, it was actually the opposite. I I really just kept it really deep down inside. Like, I did not want anyone to know what I was struggling with. Or even when I had gotten to the point where in my brain I was like, I'm going to try and take my own life. I didn't show any signs. I didn't want anyone to know, which is a very rare case. But I, I find that it's actually a lot more common than you think. And it's, it's just because people do that you know they don't talk about it but i i was one of those cases where i i just did not want to let anyone in on it i didn't want anyone to know i didn't show any signs i didn't want any attention i just was struggling with it on my own and that's what i was going to do what, what um like talk me through when it when like when it happened was it was like a daytime thing was it a nighttime thing like when you kind of decided this is what i want to do like what was going through your mind yeah it was a daytime thing i had gotten in an argument with my parents that had really upset me like i felt like i was just a complete failure i felt like i let down everyone around me and that i wasn't who i wanted to be and after that the thought kind of just popped into my head i'm like well well maybe if i'm not good enough for myself if i'm not good enough for everyone then maybe i should, just shouldn't be here and it was around i think three o'clock in, in the afternoon that i made that made that decision um, and that thought was put in my head and, uh, I just waited the rest of that day and, 
early that next morning when everyone was asleep was when I attempted. Did you did you want to die, or did you want someone to step in and intervene and say, "Hold on, you're going to be all right. We can find you help." Yeah, that's something we talk about a lot, and it's a big myth surrounding suicide. Is that the person attempting? You know, they want to die. Like they they just want to. It's not. It's it's hard for me to explain, really. But the best way I can describe it is not wanting. You don't want to leave your family behind. You don't want to leave everything you have in life behind. The things you want to escape from and the things you want to leave behind are those feelings of helplessness, those feelings of sadness, those feelings of anger. It's way more about trying to leave those feelings than anything else. So I I it absolutely did not want to die. If it if someone would have known what I was going through and if someone would have been able to talk to me or if I would have known that someone was going through the same thing that I was, uh, I, I absolutely would have, would have taken that opportunity. Yeah. So after this happens, uh, you've obviously you survived, which we're, I'm glad you're still here, but what happened after the attempt? Who found you? Like what, what happens moving forward? Did- yeah. So this kind of goes back about to the not wanting, not wanting to die thing. Like, yeah. I'll be like just completely 100% like open and honest with this. Like I attempted to take my own life with a, a shotgun shot to the face. Like obviously that's a very it's it's very hard to survive that, right? And so when I did it, I woke up and my, my mom had found me. I was out in the garage. Um, my mom found me, and when I woke up, obviously I was in a pretty large amount of pain and turmoil obviously and at that point i was in a lot of distress and i didn't really have conscious thoughts per se but i had kind of this instinct that wait you survived you're still alive there's a reason for that right and like i said it wasn't something that i thought in my head at the time it's something that i know today that i'm still here for a reason and i did not die that night for a reason but it was like an instinct i had immediately in the moment that uh, you're still alive. Now you're still pretty injured, so you might not be. So now you need to fight to stay alive, and, and so I did. Now moving forward, now what is the progn? What what do you do afterwards? What is the treatment like? How obviously you had to get yourself, you know, probably some surgery and just get yourself fixed. I guess you could say, yeah, uh, as best as you can with plastic surgery or whatnot. That you had to do. What was that like moving forward after that? Well, yeah, uh, basically immediately there was you know life saving surgery. Like I. I was I was airlifted um, to a, a nearby hospital, and like when I got in the helicopter, like when they picked me up, they radioed ahead to the hospital. They're like, "Hey, we're bringing this kid in, but we're just gonna let you know that he's probably not gonna be alive when we get there." But, but like I said, I, I I was just fighting to survive at that point, and that's a very powerful thing. It's it can be very underestimated, but I immediately had surgeries to kind of stabilize my breathing to make sure that I could you know breathe properly because I had a lot of blood and, and stuff in my lungs and that kind of thing yeah. um and then it, and then from there I, I they transferred me to the children's hospital in milwaukee which is one of the best hospitals we have in wisconsin um and from there i stayed there for six weeks as an inpatient immediately after my suicide attempt where i've had where i had i think during those six weeks i had seven or eight surgeries just to make like my facial 
structure, um, just stable, not even functional at this point. Like I still could not eat orally. I still could not drink anything orally. And there was a couple of weeks where I couldn't speak orally, but I just had surgery just to make everything stable. So my, my face just wasn't, you know, falling apart, but like it was after I had attempted suicide. So once we get those kind of baseline surgeries where I'm stable, you know, I, um, I'm not just falling apart. Then we can kind of focus on rebuilding to be functional, first of all, being able to eat, being able to talk, being able to drink, that kind of thing. And then in these past few, probably these last, mostly the last year and a half, two years, we've gotten into surgeries more for appearance, um, trying to make restructure my face to, you know, fix the parts that were broken a little bit. And I think uh, I had just a surgery literally six days ago. Um, I think it was my 16th total. So that's kind of been just a little, a little overview of what that has been like over these past almost five years. Physically repairing you is obviously important to you, but how about mentally repairing you? How do you now, how do you focus on working on your mental health to make sure that you stay healthy, you stay on the right path and you get those emotions out instead of going down that path again and where you were when you were 14? Yeah. Well, because of the situation that I was in and because of what I did, I was kind of obviously forced into a situation where I, I had to get help for my mental health because it was in a point where I was a harm, a harm to myself. And that's pretty much as low as you can go. Right. So I was forced into a situation where I had to see a therapist, a psychiatrist, that kind of thing. But even all these years after where I'm in a stable mental condition and I'm not a harm to myself or others, I still continue therapy um, because everybody struggles with bad thoughts. Everybody gets down. Everybody's sad. Everybody gets angry. But there are people who have studied the brain and, and they can tell you what will work for you and they can work with you and tell you how to minimize and how to negate those those negative effects. And I think it's really important that you find someone like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist or a psychiatrist, but someone who will work with you and someone who knows you and knows what your thoughts are and knows what you're going through. And they can kind of give you an outside perspective as someone who isn't caught up in that moment where they're sad right now or they're angry right now, because that can kind of clog, clog your thoughts a little bit. And I think it's really important to have someone to talk to like that. And then they can give you ideas or they can give you suggestions about possibly how to make, how to make that better. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, you, it's maybe an, an odd question. I don't know if it's offensive or not, but do you regret your decision to try to end your life or do you think that it changed you in a good way? Uh, for a long time, I, I did regret my decision. The first probably three years were just, they're, they're really bad. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. You know, they're the worst years of my life. I, there's lots of pain I went through, lots of struggles that I went through. But over these last couple of years where I've started to kind of accept it and not only accept it, but use it to help others, it's changed my whole outlook on it. I think I'm a much better, much more mature, much more experienced person because of everything that I've been through at such a young age. And then I can use that to help others. Like I've had, I've had other 14 year olds comment on my TikToks or like message me on Instagram telling me that like they were in a place that I was where they were ready to try and attempt to take their own life. And they didn't because they saw that I was going through it and they saw that I made it out okay. 
so I, for a long time, I, I, I regretted very, very deeply what I've done. But over these last couple of years, I, I would not change a thing because I think it's made myself a better person and I, and I really love using it to help others and I wouldn't take any of that back. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned your social media, um, your Instagram and your TikTok, where I just I checked your TikTok. You got like 120,000 followers. You got a, a lot. Of, you got a huge audience there, a big reach of people you can talk to. Yeah. And I noticed some of your videos were flagged for sensitive content. And it, I've always wondered why platforms like TikTok will flag videos where you mention suicide. What kind of videos of yours are getting flagged? It looked like a couple where you were sharing your story. What's your experience been with that, trying to share your story and having it almost flagged a little bit with people? Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of my videos that I have flagged have been because of that. Like, I, I don't cuss in any of my videos. I don't have any inappropriate content in any of my videos. So it's not any of that. I think maybe the point that they're getting to is if you talk about suicide, then it'll put the thought, like the idea into the heads of people. But I think people are already very aware of, of what it is. And I think... I would actually argue the opposite, that the more you know about it, the less likely you are to go down that road. Because like I stated earlier, if I had known half of what I know now about mental health, or if I had just known someone like me who was going through those things and had gone to the other side, like it would have stopped me from attempting to take my own life. And there are a lot of people who make the argument that if you talk about it and like you talk about suicide, then it's just going to like make it more widespread and it's going to put the people and the idea into people's heads. But like I said, I would absolutely argue the complete opposite of that. No, it's, it's, it's been proven through research that by asking someone about suicide, it's, it's part of this crisis management one-on-one. If you, by asking someone about suicide, you're forcing them to confront that and then say, wow, am I, do you think if someone would have asked you 20 minutes before you took your life, if you were thinking about suicide, what would you have said? I at that point I would have I, I would have probably just broken down and I would have talked about everything. If if anyone knew what was what was going on in my mind and what I was had made had made up my mind to do, and they would have asked me about it twenty minutes before I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I would have broken down and I just would have let it all out. And that's yeah. just the truth of it. Did you ever think about resources like they're always putting out the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the Crisis Text Line? Did those ever cross your mind at any point? I honestly wasn't even aware of those when when I was 14 years old. And that's why through a lot of my social media and a lot of the work I do is I make sure that my audience knows about that um, because I wasn't even aware that that was a thing that I could do. I didn't, I didn't know I could call a number and I could talk to someone. I didn't know I could text a number and someone would talk me through it. I just, I, I had honestly was just completely unaware of it. Yeah. Um, we obviously live in a very judgmental society now. So while your story is incredibly inspirational and what you've been through is amazing, and I'm glad that you're using your voice for positive now to help people, do you still get a lot of the people that are ignorant about mental health, the people that make comments about your appearance, the people that say hurt, hurtful things to you still? And how do you how do you cope with that? Yeah, absolutely. You're always going to have people who are going to say negative things. Like I've I, I've, I've been brought down a good bit by people who have said some bad things about me, obviously. Like, people often make comments about my appearance and that and that kind of thing. And also just negative talk about mental health. But, you know, one thing that really helps me with that is when someone leaves, like, a negative comment on my TikTok, there will be, like, 20 replies to that comment just saying, like, hey, man, just, like, knock it off. Like, this guy's putting out positive content onto into the world. And 
if you want to go be negative, go be negative as someone who's trying to bring others down. But I'm just posting positive content. I'm trying to bring other people up. I'm trying to save lives. I'm trying to make people more aware of mental health. And I think the majority of the people who see my video realize that and they're willing to accept um, accept my point of view and you know kind of agree with me that this needs to be talked about more. And then from there, they're also able to kind of stand up for me when we do have those, those negative people. So you kind of have like an army of people that almost, they're there to help you out. They got yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, in a way, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. So what is your message to people moving forward? What's the one people with the one takeaway that you want people to get from your, uh, your suicide attempt? You've survived, but what's the thing that you want people to take away from that? If you can part well, a message to them. Yeah, it sounds really cliche and you, and you hear it a lot and it sounds a little corny, but it's honestly the best analogy that I, that I could find. And that is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because a lot of the times the people who are in that dark spot where you're angry, you're sad, you're depressed, you're anxious to the point where you think the best option is to try and take your own life. Most of those people who, who get there, they, they don't come out the other side. Right. And I'm one of the rare people who not only have been there and have come out the other side, but are willing to be open and honest about it. And, and I can tell you, that as someone who's been in that that dark spot, who's been in the bottom of that hole, it gets better. It may not be right away. It may not be days. It may not be weeks. It may not be months. It may not be years. But it, it will get better. And you just have to live for that. You have to live for when it does get better because I promise it will all be worth it. And that's just the best advice I could give. Nice. That's a great message. And I'm glad that you're so open and honest about it. And I appreciate your your honesty with us. We've got some nice comments from people saying, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, Aaron said that as well. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, of course. She loved it too. My friend, Chris Prohut, who's, uh, he, he works with law enforcement suicide prevention. He said, you're an amazing communicator and an inspiration. He's proud of you for making an amazing show of strength and fight for your life immediately after your attempt. Glad you're here. I wish you more good days than bad to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have you gotten in, what kind of support are you getting? What's some of the good stuff that you're getting from maybe from friends or from family or from mental health organizations? What's some of the yeah. positivity you've been receiving? Well, all my friends and family are, are very supportive um, about everything I do. Like I had a short documentary made about me on YouTube last year and I had all my friends, all my friends and my family in it. And they're all just so supportive of what I do and they want to be involved with it too. Because my my life and my story isn't just about me. It's impacted everyone around me, everyone who I love and everyone who loves me. And they all have a story too. And I think it's really important that we touch on that because it, it, it impacts each and every one of them differently. And they've all been so good about supporting my voice and then finding their own voice and being able to, to tell their story. That's great. Well, it sounds like what you thought was the end of your life was really the beginning of your life and just a whole new beginning for your life, which is amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Carson Ball, uh, really appreciate your time and all you're doing for mental health and for suicide prevention. Uh, I guarantee you're going to save lives with the, the way that you are so open and honest about your, your, your attempts and your life moving forward. So keep kicking butt and uh, keep making it happen in the gym because you're, you're ripped, man. What's your goal? In the, what's your next goal in the gym? Do you just want to stay fit? Is that kind of been your, have you put a lot of your mental health into the gym? Is that kind of your outlet now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I started off lifting because I played football in high school and I just wanted to get bigger for that. But now that I'm done with that, I kind of just put a lot of my negative emotions and I go on the gym and I just 
pump some iron and it, it makes me feel a lot better. So Nice. What other forms of self-care do you use? Obviously, going to the gym. What else do you use to kind of keep you in a good spot? Like I said, I um, I still go to therapy to this day. Like I, I still talk to people who know about it. And honestly, it's just a support system I have around me. Like I have such good friends who I can text them at 2 a.m. when I'm struggling and they'll pick up their phone and, and they'll talk me through it and, and they'll help me out. So I, I know a lot of people don't always have such a good support system like that around them, but I think at least some, everybody has at least one person who who they really care about and they care about them. And I, and I think it's really important when you are struggling and when you do need that support and you need that support system, I think it's really important to go to them. Yeah. And there's always the, the suicide prevention lifeline. It's 1-800-273-TALK. And you can also use the crisis text line. You can text uh, hello to 741-741 and text with a crisis counselor. And somebody will be right there right away, and they're there to talk to you so you don't have to feel like you're alone. Carson Ball, again, thank you for your time, and thank you for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.